Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This Podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God, especially the first reading at Mass on Sundays, and how it can bring renewal, transformation, and hope to our lives. Maria. How you doing? Padre, I'm doing very well. And we I'm, have a special guest. We're, we're three today. We're not the Trinity, but we're almost the Trinity. Because oh, I don't think we're even close to the Trinity. No, Boom, I mean, look out for the in, lightning. In the three only, Father oh, John. The fact that we are three. We are three today because we have our friend from Ireland. Now, back from Ireland. Father Mark. Father Mark Moriarty rather than Deacon Mark. How you doing, brother? Hello, hello. hello the Irish are back in town. That's right. Or <laughs> as you were introduced last week when we were on mission together, Father Mark from Ireland. That's right. Yeah, I don't get a second name. Yeah, apparently not. Yeah, no. Yeah. From Great Ireland. to see you. Great to be back. So you were ordained last August. August How's 13. the first uh, six months been? Great. It has been awesome. Great to be back here in the States to soak in more of Acts 29 and the great culture that is America. Well, praise the Lord. It was great to have you back. So Father Mark was with us last week. We were down at Florida State University doing was a awesome. mission work with the yep. sisters down there and... Father Tim and Father Luke and the good folks uh, at the Catholic Student Union. And uh, he's in town this week. We're doing a little leadership immersive. We got a set of folks coming into our office uh, Monday through Friday. And so just an, uh, a great joy for us to have you home and to be able to be with us on podcast. And Mary, what's our topic today? So our uh, topic today is stop ringing the bell. And it's not about Quasimodo. <laughs> is it? All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for uh, the blessing of life and the great gift of faith for friendship. We thank you for bringing our brother, Father Mark, home to us, the time that we have to be together right now. We thank you for your word, which gives us hope and encouragement, which corrects those things in our minds which are warped or deformed or bent and enables us to see and to think accurately. We thank you in a special way today for uh, the way your word enables us to understand sin and what it does to not only our own lives, but our relationship with you and with one another, and for the incredible way in which you offer healing and restoration to us and to our communities. So send your spirit to be with us now. Anoint us as we have this conversation. Anoint the ears of all who are listening. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father John. So this coming Sunday's reading comes from the book of Leviticus. We're reading from chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 44 through 46. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, If someone has on his skin a scab or pustule or blotch, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of the priests among his descendants. If the man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean by reason of the sore on his head. The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare and shall muffle his beard. He shall cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean since he is, in fact, unclean. He shall dwell apart, making his abode outside the camp. So yet again, here we go with the Old Testament, and I imagine people sitting in the pews, because, you know, where we sit um, from the front, you can see everything, right? 
Everything. Everything. Remember that, people sitting in the pews. We see everything. And this is when people start to go, you can, you can just picture them like grabbing their phone, looking up, counting ceiling tiles. Like, what in the world does this little passage on leprosy have to do with us here and now? And I think most of us are tempted to just tune out and think this is really irrelevant and hope that people like Father Mark are going to say something probably related to the gospel uh, to give us some hope and encouragement. When in fact, this is actually, if we dive into what it is that's being revealed here, I think a a very helpful passage for us to think about, especially as we prepare to enter into Lent, right? So maybe we can just talk a little bit about leprosy itself and then um, how this is a great image for sin. Does that sound... Yeah, I think, they, I think they see the priests look like that as well after that reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're not looking at our phones. Don't be looking at your phone when you're sitting in the presider's chair. It's not me calling. I, I know enough not to call you then. So uh, here, here's the challenge, right? So uh, I don't know about you. I've never met a leper. No. I, I've never seen a leper uh, except in a picture. So I have no, no practical reference. experience right. of this whatsoever, right? Uh, which is a bit challenging. Um, however, we have experienced, uh, especially with COVID, the need for people to quarantine. And so all of a sudden, something about a person who's being told they have to dwell apart. Like, I remember that. Like, I, I was knocked out for the better part of two and a half, three months, and I couldn't engage with anybody for a series of weeks. You guys in Ireland were really buttoned down, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we could barely move outside our house. Yeah, so quarantine is all of a sudden one of those words that we have uh, a lot more familiarity with. Um, But leprosy, at least in the West, is a disease that's pretty much been eradicated, so it can be challenging to to deal with. Nonetheless, it it is a real disease, even if I don't have any experience of it. It's a horrific disease. But I have a lot of experience with sin. And... Leprosy is at one and the same time a disease and an image of what sin does. So leprosy uh, attacks the body, right? It disfigures the body, and it especially disfigures the face. And I don't know about you, but the moment I think about that, um, I think immediately of just my own experience with sin. So what what sin do? Sin, Sin disfigures us. It cuts us off. Uh, and so much more. That's how, that's how, at least how I jump into this passage. Is that kind of where both of you are coming from as well? Yeah, you know, um, oftentimes uh, I can only relate to either people that I'm walking with or my own experience of sin. We wear sin, the manifestation, the consequence of sin, oftentimes on our face. It affects our countenance. Mm. And, and I'm thinking about just having been down at Florida State University with, with a set of very joyful sisters, you know, radiant joyful. And then juxtaposing that around a set of people who are still quarantining for one reason or another, sheltering in place for one reason or another, but oftentimes, especially in this culture of massive loneliness, their countenance looks much different. Mm. And sin likes to keep us trapped and stuck and all of that. But I think sometimes we wear it on our face. You know, I think the face can reveal the heart, yeah. right? And so 
Um, that makes total sense. I mean, this, leprosy is an image of what sin can do, right, to our souls. Yeah, I was thinking, as I was praying with this passage earlier in the week, one of the thoughts that came to mind, um, we have uh, a culture which is largely obsessed with wanting to look beautiful mm-hmm. and to be in shape. And, you know, in a, in an ordinary form, uh, unless it's pushed to an extreme, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like the desire to be healthy is a good desire. Like I, sh- I, I, I am a, I, I've been entrusted with the care of the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is my body. And so I should want to take care of that, right? Uh, but it obviously can get pushed to radical extremes. But if you think about that in terms of, okay, so people have a desire to, to look beautiful on the exterior. And given what you just said, Mary, I think what we oftentimes underestimate is we, we can't all look, quote unquote, beautiful at least the way the world says beauty is. Um, That's just not possible for some of us. Like our bodies are not going to look like some people's bodies. But we can all be interiorly beautiful. And to the degree that somebody's interior is beautiful, meaning they're in alignment with God, the way that manifests itself on somebody's face, face, as you just said, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of, uh, we went to... When I was in the seminary, I remember going to Poland for the first time with a set of folks, guys in the seminary. We went to knock on the convent of St. Uh, Faustina's convent. And uh, one of the sisters opened the door, and we could literally see her eyes, her nose, and her mouth. That was about it. And maybe a little bit of, of her cheeks, because everything else was covered in a, a veil and a habit. And I will never forget seeing her. She was like I think we all fell in love like the moment we saw her like she was one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life and all I could see was like three inches of her face mm-hmm. but she just radiated Jesus you know that interior beauty which manifested itself and as we look at uh, this passage and we think about leprosy and we think about sin I, I think that's again one of the things that we're being invited to do is just to consider in our own lives where sin is disfiguring us, and then these other things that um, that I think again leprosy is an analogy of how it cuts us off from community, uh, cuts us off from ourselves. And I know you had some thoughts as we were talking about this uh, offline, just preparing. Like, what does sin like? How does sin separate us? What are those dis- those different segments that sin just manifests itself? Uh, as opposed to just like breaking a law or a rule, right? Yeah, and I think even when praying about the face, that the word, the Hebrew word for face came to my mind, the word panim. And it really... It, That's not the sandwich place, right? No. That's Panera. No, we, yeah. we don't have those back home. Yeah, okay. But um, the the Hebrew word panim, it, reflect, it speaks about the face of the person, but it actually goes deeper to manifest something of the image and likeness of God, of the person, which has been bestowed into each one of us. Mm. And how if true sin, as Mary was saying earlier, that can very quickly become disfigured and the internal beauty that so often shines through through someone's eyes, because mm. we often say the eyes are the entry part the of the, the, soul. the heart and the soul, that when we get that disfigured, things begun to change. Mm. But it, like sin, 
absolutely isn't just the breaking of a law. Sin disfigures, it distorts, but it also disengages us. Mm. And like it disengages us in many ways. It disengages us with ourselves because we're no longer comfortable with ourselves because of something we have done or didn't do. It distorts us in terms of how we now see reality, but how we see ourselves. Because we no longer see ourselves as a beloved of the Father. We see ourselves as almost dirty Mm. or guilty or shameful. It disengages us too with others. Because if we know that we have failed to do something that, or that we did something against someone, relationships change. Our relationships very quickly change with one another. And then obviously it changes our relationship with God. Because maybe our preconceived image of who God is, we'll either run to him for mercy and forgiveness, I think so oftentimes we'll actually run in the opposite direction. So as you're talking, let's see if this resonates with Mm -hmm. you, if it makes sense. So um, I'm thinking of how it's possible for us to quarantine um, interiorly and yet be in other people's presence. Does that make sense? So like, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm not alone from people physically, like I'm in their mm-hmm. presence, but because of what you just described that sin does, I'm actually quarantined from them emotionally, spiritually, personally. Like I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Jesus's command that, that we are to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. And I often think about, I, I do that. And I don't mean that in a positive way. I, I treat other people. Um, oftentimes exactly the way I treat myself. And when I know I'm not right with God, I, 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 I act that out with others. And so that, that's one of the ways that, as you're talking about how sin distorts and disfigures and destroys communion, um, that, that's what's going on in our lives oftentimes, mm-hmm. is I'm knowing that I'm not right with God, I now lash out at other people. I take it out on other people when in fact what I'm, who I'm angry at is myself and God doesn't want me to be angry at myself. Right. God wants me to repent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, all the disunity that's in the church and then obviously the disunity in the culture. The, the church is supposed to be this place where we experience radical unity and one of the reasons we probably don't experience radical unity is because 45% of Catholics, at least according to one study, have never gone to confession, right. like ever. Which is the great and glorious news. I mean, just as I'm hearing y'all talk about uh, the destruction of communion, like we were made for community. You know, we were made by love for love, and that, and that is to live in communion. But blessed be God, as Catholics, we have this beautiful gift of the sacrament of reconciliation, which we can so often easily run from. It's difficult sometimes to get to confession Steve and I, were, we were just talking before we started to record about, you know, my husband getting ready to go to the gym and how he always feels better going, but the challenge that it is to get there, I think it's often the same with confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to speak about that remedy real quick, but Father John, as you were just talking about, you know, interiorly, like like when you're in the presence of someone um, and, and, and you were not right with God and we know it, and so we, we treat people. Uh, in a particular way, you have to just think that, like, in our culture, in, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in this nation, we have a massive sin problem. We have a massive 
heart problem. And Mm. Jesus is the remedy for that. But I'm thinking oftentimes what we do when we're not reconciled to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in our souls, we wear masks all day, every day. It's a quest for beauty. It's a quest to it's a quest to have everything on the outside looking just so. But if we have the eyes that we need to have, we, we can see right through that, like the Lord can totally see through through our countenance. And, and, and close friends know when something's not right, like, mm-hmm. like when, something's, when something's up. And um, I, I'm just thinking about that. And the beautiful thing is we don't have to stay that way. Right. Like there's a remedy for this. And, and What is that remedy? Oh, so we were just talking about it was the sacrament of reconciliation, right, Father John? And, Absolutely. And um, there's just something about, um, I think I was sharing with you all a couple of days ago, and we were just talking about this conversation, the reality that confession is something like a second baptism, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it points to our first baptism, always referring back to it, and then renews it all at the same time. And... And I, I, I think sometimes about my own experience of like sitting in the pews on Easter Vigil and I'm watching adults getting baptized and I watch them with something of like a, a holy jealousy that everything, every sin that they've ever committed in their lifetime in that moment is washed away in the waters of baptism and how I desire that. But that's possible. Yeah. Every, every single week, every single day that we need to, we can run to the sacrament of reconciliation, and, and have that, that communion restored. We don't have to live in isolation. We don't have to live with shame. We don't have to live in that loneliness. Um, God wants to continue his work of ministry. Yeah, and that word continue is a uh, really significant word because the sacraments are the continuation in our own time of the ministry that we see, in this case, this coming Sunday, of the gospel when Jesus goes to heal a leper, which not only has... So there's so much in this, but again, leprosy is such a fitting analogy for sin because um, my sin is never private. It affects me, but it also deeply affects my relationships with God and then with other people. So sin is never private. And so uh, they're they're cut off from community. What, What happens as a result of Jesus healing this man? Well, he's not only right with himself. I mean, imagine the fact that he doesn't have to... Can you imagine the psyche of someone who has to walk around all the time when he sees another person going, hey, I'm unclean? Ringing a bell. Yeah, ringing a bell. That's what they did, hence the title of the podcast. Now, you don't have to ring the bell anymore. This guy was walking around all day, every day with a bell saying, you need to get away from me. I'm dangerous to you. And so his mindset has to be, I am useless. I am worthless. I am discarded. I am disposable. I am rejected. I am unloved and so much more. Suddenly he encounters Jesus. We can encounter Jesus in the sacrament. And as a result of this guy encountering Jesus, he's not ringing a bell anymore. He's actually part of the community. He can go back into the temple. He can worship. Imagine him walking home and like showing himself to his family. Like, hello, I'm back. Identity totally restored. Yeah. And that's what happens in confession, right? Talk about freedom. Yeah. Talk about freedom. We were, we were down at, uh, at Florida state and I I can say this because I didn't hear the person's confession, but, um, we were standing in the back of the room and, uh, I think you were hearing some confessions. You can't talk about that. And some others. And we were, we had just gotten done with a little presentation and a guy who had gone to confession came r- literally running to me saying, man, I just went to confession for the first time in 10 years. I can't believe 
how I feel. Like, I just didn't expect to feel like this. And, and to your point, you know, about wearing it on our face, it was almost like he was walking on air. This eagerness to go tell you, like, like how the spirit moved as you were preaching uh, that particular night, and knowing that if there's freedom for, and you, you had held up before some stories of men in history who had experienced the mighty mercy of God, and he wanted to touch that and taste it himself, and his countenance had changed. He looked like the sisters. You yeah, know, he, he, was, right. he was beautiful when he walked in, but he was radiant yeah. when he left. But you can't fake that. Yeah, that's you, a great, great point. You can't fake that transformation. You can't fake that joy. You can't fake the effects of dumping sin. Yeah. You know, the, going out on a night out can't get rid of that. You know, jumping into the sea to refresh yourself can't get rid of that. Yeah. But... That isn't fake when you meet someone and say, I've just met Jesus and I've been forgiven. Yeah, I'm thinking of, I don't know if this was my mom, you, or somebody else at this point. I just, so I'll take credit for it. Um, There are, (laughs) uh, the line is, there are a lot of beautiful people in chains. Oh, uh, Kubler-Ross. Yeah, so could be. But what what a line, right? So like, so you can go to the gym, you can work out your body like crazy. You can look exteriorly stunningly attractive, but interiorly you're in chains and you know it, right? You know it. You can't escape that. When we go to bed at night and we rest our heads on our pillows, we know. Yeah. And Jesus wants to cut the chains all by ourselves and he wants to silence the bell. You know, and, and, and I tell you, you know, for me, when those chains get cut, I experience that most profoundly because I need to hear that I'm forgiven. Like I need to, I need to share with someone what I've done. I need to confess with my lips how I, how, how my own separation, my own sinfulness. And for me, those chains get cut. I get, I experience freedom when I hear the words of absolution in confession. Like I long to hear those words and I absolve you from your sins in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. And in the confessional, your shoulders just drop. You go, oh, yes, Lord, I am free again. And I can begin again. Every day, we can begin again. Yep. Every week, we can begin again. So I would bet most people who tune in and listen to this go to confession at least once in a while. But statistically, there's got to be a lot of people listening right now who haven't been to confession in years. It's like that young man who hadn't gone in 10 years. I didn't go for 10 years at one point in my life. Now I go like every week. And, and I know you know this now. Let me, let me just ask you a question. If, if you had just heard the confession of one person who was in mortal sin and been able to give them the words of absolution and to see them transformed as they walked into a confessional like this leper, feeling unclean, ringing a bell, filled with shame, you hear their confession through the power of the authority that Jesus has given to us. They walk out back up, shoulders high, smiling, radiant. Would your life have been worth it? Yeah, then all I do is I would go to confession and I would say, okay, Lord, now your master can go in peace. And mm. that's it. I mean, I used to say when I was newly ordained, and I, I still think it now, just to have done that one time in my life would have made my life worth living. So if you're listening right now and you haven't been to confession in a while, 
run to confession because it is the continuation in time of what it is that we're going to see Jesus do in the gospel, which ties into this first reading from Leviticus, which is restoring a man not only to himself, but to his family, to the to community, to to God. And maybe if you're uh, if you're uh, if you're someone who regularly goes to confession, um, be praying earnestly this Lent. Maybe make one of your intentions for Lent that Lord, by the merits of what it is that I'm doing, uh, or by the penances of what it is that I'm doing, soften somebody's heart. Maybe especially somebody's heart who I know and I love, who hasn't been to confession to get back there soon, huh? Yeah, and and like brothers and sisters, I just want to say to, don't let fear stop you going. Like this Lent coming up during these weeks, don't let fear bind you. Break through and experience the transformation that only God can give. Being a priest the last few months, I have to say one of my greatest joys is hearing confession. Mm. Like we are not there with a rod and a staff trying to catch people out. I kind of see myself as like a trash man. Yep, absolutely. Throwing out the trash. (laughs) Yep. But like it is such a joy to see all of us just be set free. And Jesus wants this for us more than we want it. So I just want to say something real quick before we close. What an honor it is to sit at this table with two beautiful priests of God who sit in the person of Jesus Christ in the confessional every week um, to to hear us come with our garbage, with our sins, and then you speak those words of absolution to us. And Father uh, Mark, to your point about fear, I know this sounds odd, and, and maybe I would love to know your thought on it real quick before we say goodbye to our friends, but you were talking about fear, and it's hard to go to confession alone. And if you've got some friends that you've been walking with, let them know I'm going to go to confession. Would you like to come with me? Yeah, that's a great point. Because if you're going with someone, you can help coach them through that as what to expect but you're going to go with them. There's no better place to go with friends than to that second place of baptism. I love that. Can you relate to this? I can't tell you how many times in my life, you know, on the other side of the screen, somebody's bringing something that, that was deadly and huh, that's really cut them off from God. Maybe they're back for the first time after an abortion or an affair or whatever. And they're coming to confession and they're, they're, pouring themselves out and I'm just like yes on the other side of the screen going Lord you got another one and bring it's, them just, home. it's just filled with joy isn't it oh I mean if you people, just want to go and hug them afterwards yeah and just say welcome back yeah it's just this huge you know like fist bump to Jesus as he goes and reclaims his creation whom he loves so don't be afraid to to come back uh, this Lent if you've been away for a while. Um, run into the merciful arms of Jesus, and as a result of that, let him transform those relationships in your lives so that your face can be radiant and transformed, and you can stop ringing that stupid bell, which is warning people that we are unclean because the Lord wants to make us clean. So the gospel is good news, and the good news this week is that Jesus has a remedy, not just for leprosy, he has a remedy for sin and for shame and for guilt, and it's himself. And because all this is true, do not be afraid. God is with you. You were born for this. Hello, friends. This is Mary Guilfoyle with X29. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in knowing more about our mission, check out our website at x29.org. 
That's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org, where you can learn more about who we are and what God has called us to do. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to Father John's weekly blog, Thoughts from the Trailer, as well as access The Rescue Project. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And please pray for us and be assured of our prayers and gratitude for each and every one of you. We look forward to you tuning in next week. God bless you.